This is the Greg Scheinman Podcast. The Greg Scheinman Podcast. Brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. Hey, welcome to the Greg Scheinman Podcast. On the show today, a fellow Greg, Greg Funderburk. He is the adult minister at South Main Baptist Church here in Houston, Texas. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Greg. So, okay, so so we we know each other. We're comfortable. We've coached baseball together. Yeah. Okay, we've been uh, we've been on the board of Westview Little League together. And Usually against one another. Against one another. Yes. Okay. We're still but here. We're still friends. Ex- exactly. Which is kind of part of what I want to get into a little bit um, on that. But what was Interesting to me, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you have you on and talk is you have not always been a minister, mm-hmm. right? Um, like even when we first got to know each other, you were an attorney, or you were transitioning to becoming a full time minister. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit first about your background, where you're from, how you were raised, family, and then we'll kind of kind of get into the rest of yeah, this. Yeah, sounds good. So, um, I grew up here in Houston. Uh, memorial area of Houston and went to Baylor University and then the University of Texas Law School. Uh, practiced law here for, in Houston for about 21 years with a uh, firm that my father had started back in the 60s, and it was uh, litigation, uh, usually in the defense side of the civil, uh, civil type of litigation, so courtroom type stuff, and uh, did that for 21 years. 21 years. Okay. So did you have – were you – Always, were you religious? Were you spiritual? Was your family that way? And, yeah. and take me into how you kind of gravitated from the law and practicing law to, again, your calling to the ministry. Yeah. Well, I, I did. I grew up um, in a, uh, you know, fairly religious uh, background with uh, my family, attended church growing up, and, uh, and then um, just was always connected to the church in some way. And at Baylor, with the uh, being a Baptist school was still connected um, in some way to the church, although, you know, as, as most kids do, sort of uh, fall away, come back, that sort of thing. And um, and then after I got married, we joined South Main Baptist uh, in Midtown Houston and uh, got more and more involved there. I taught, uh, taught a Sunday school class, kind of education, taught uh, various things. Um, and then was involved in some strategic planning things with the church, got more and more involved in the church. And um, at some point, again, I'd been practicing uh, law for about 20 years, 21 years, and kind of felt like I was ready to do something else um, that uh, I had done kind of what I wanted to do in the law. My dad had uh, passed away. Uh, The firm was in good hands with my brother and my uncle. And, uh, and and thought probably maybe I'd, I'd go into sort of like a general counsel of a nonprofit or something like that. So I was sort of had my ear to the ground a little bit when um, our church uh, had a sp- spot for a pastor. One of the pastors left to go to another church. Uh, and, um, and I began to think, you know, that's, I think that's something that I would like to do, that I could do, and especially because it was pastoral care type work visiting folks in hospitals, which mm-hmm. I had done as a layperson. And, um, and it's, it, it, I just felt like I could do it. And then I started thinking, you know, would I be good at it? And I kind of thought that, you know, I would. And I was ready for a change. I just felt like I had more capacity to, um, to get involved in that sort of, work, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I uh, just felt drawn to it. 
and my wife kind of had recognized that uh, she said, your, your heart seems to be more in it when you're doing church work um, sometimes. And so, uh, so I thought she sort of recognized that in me and, um, and uh, just seemed like the right thing to do. So I kind of asked them if that would be something that, that they might be interested in. And they all, uh, folks at the church, liked me and kind of knew, knew that I had a good track record there uh, for doing good work and, um, and asked me to come on staff. Take me a little bit more through through that decision making process. You know, I think a lot of guys, uh, myself included, we get to this stage, you know, and and you're married, and you've got kids, and you've got a career, and you've got a certain income coming in, and certain commitments that you that you now have or obligation, and you think, okay, is this it? You know, yeah. like, okay, am I going to remain a lawyer for the rest of, of my life, right. or um, you know, am I going to? continue to to sell insurance for the rest of my life and now i'm married 16 years and the kids are getting a little bit older and take me a little bit through that decision making process because i think a lot of guys kind of wrestle with with that can i make a a jump or a transition or how do i balance maybe what i'm called to do or i enjoy doing um and a passion about versus maybe what i am doing you know right right now and can you turn it into a, a career or a job, and you think financial, and you think yeah. family, and you think time. So, and maybe guys, people are coming to you now in your position, and and, yeah, and wrestling with these things too. So yeah. they do. It, it is there is a leap of faith to it, and not just in the sense that I've moved to you know uh, uh, working for a church, but in any um, change like that, there has to be, I think, a leap of a leap of faith a little bit to do something that that you really feel drawn to. Um, and, and, and a lot of it's practicalities, too. Um, I probably couldn't do this, honestly, as much as I was drawn to do it if my wife didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, if um, my, my parents um, had passed away, I had a little bit of, of uh, estate um, help there, too. Um, so there's practicalities involved that, that aren't you know, sure. a, a part of that. Uh, but for me, that was, a, that was sort of a green light. I just felt like along the way, I just said green light after green light, and that was that was one of them. Um, the other one was that I did feel I, I sort of had an obligation to my family firm, uh, but that had sort of green lighted too. My brother and my uncle were there and, and uh, were in a position to carry on the firm. Um, my my kids uh, were, uh, you know, they were going to be okay um, either way because that's about. Finances and mm-hmm. finances uh, seem to be okay. So you do have to weigh all all of these different uh, different things. Um, but I think sometimes what it comes down to is, well, do I want to do this all my life? Just like you said. And it was, um, I was to the point where I thought that I had done everything that I wanted to do in that career. And then I began, you know, looking around, and not, not even in a real active way, but in a in, in a way like I'm ready. If something kind of falls in my lap, or if something uh, is uh, that I'm drawn to. I'm 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 going to investigate it. I'm going to see uh, see about it. And I think that if you are at that place, um, you do. You just need to be. You need to be open to it. Uh, you need to be willing to to take a chance sometime. What, so what do you do now? Okay, this yeah. is something we were talking about a little bit before. Okay, and I've I've come to see you speak, and we put the guys together, yeah. and and went down there on Saturday, and and. But what is, what do you do the rest of the time? Yeah, uh-huh. it's it's interesting that it, it seems like a big change from being a lawyer, but in some ways it's not. Um, 
it's still a listening profession. You listen to people and you help them with their problems. And that's exactly what I did as a lawyer. And I feel like I, it's, I'm still the same person in some ways doing the same thing is I have an office. People come in and I talk to them and I try to help them with their problems. So in some sense, it's, it's similar. The, the good part about it, especially for me, um, even though we've <laughs> you and I have fought on the on the um, on the baseball field and we're both very competitive and I am competitive, but I'm not I don't love conflict. You know, I don't love sort of the the going to into battle with with people like you do in trial work a lot. And so changing from um, changing from uh, the law to, to this career is something that I've I've enjoyed because it's been a lot more collaborative than, than conflict oriented. But day to day, we have a staff meeting on Monday. We talk about what we saw on Sunday at the church service and how it went. Maybe some things that came up that uh, we talk about. Uh, we talk about what we've heard um, with people being sick or being in the hospital or um, other kind of issues or challenges that the people are, are going through. We talk about that as a staff. There's six of us on staff. We, um, we pray for them. Um, we think about the week ahead a little bit. We prepare um, the service for the next week. And um, I visit folks in, hosp- in the hospital a lot, uh, sometimes in hospice care. Um, I, I have a funeral on Monday, for instance, um, a graveside service, and then a memorial service at the church. Uh, so I'm doing all sorts of things like that. I write a lot, um, a lot of publications uh, for the church. Um, I write articles and things like that, which I really enjoy. Um, if I am preaching on a Sunday, that takes a ton of time. That's, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, for me, at least 20 or 30 hours to prepare for a, a sermon. And that's not all one week. It may be over a period of several weeks. Um, and uh, I teach, usually have a lesson that I teach to a small group, whether it's a young singles group or a middle-aged adult group um, each week uh, in one way or another. Um, and so there's, uh, there's just, a, you know, and then like everybody else, responding to emails, keeping up with things, budget issues. Uh, and so it's just kind of, um, I, I do missions uh, for the church as well. So we've got a group in, uh, in Kenya and a group in uh, Peru and kind of keeping up with, with those different ministries and missions. Other local partners, like uh, we have an Alzheimer's daycare facility that we're a partner with that we help with. Uh, various homeless ministries and uh, 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 a lot of flood relief right now too um, in Houston in particular do a lot of uh, overseeing that. Now, how long has it been for you that you've been about five years, just over five years. So the thought of this is what I think I want to do to this is what I'm now given an opportunity to do to now five years in it has it met your expectations, exceeded your expectations, been more or less what you thought it was going to be. It's funny how fast you shift gears in your life changes in terms of what you do uh, week to week and day to day. Um, People ask me, do you miss practicing the law? And I, and I do in some ways I, I miss, um, I miss having a measurable win. Like if you win a case, you win a trial or you win a Mm -hmm. hearing feels really good. Uh, I don't have that quite as much. I mean, yeah, if you do a good job on a sermon or a good job on, on something else, you, you feel a sense of satisfaction. But um, I, I do miss that every once in a while. Um, but in terms of, of um, connecting with people, um, 
that sort of thing. I mean, this has been really, really, really great for my quality of life. And I feel selfish about this sometimes, um, but it, it really has been really nice uh, to, to, to be on this, in this side. In, in the manner that obviously the side that you're on where you're helping people, but you had mentioned earlier in your position, obviously people are coming in the door to see you um, that have problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you try to solve those problems, solve those problems. Does that, and I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but does that, you, you're seeing a lot of problems and is it able to help you put your own life and your own quality of life into perspective, oh, yeah. compar- comparatively speaking? I mean, I would imagine you you are helping people through some pretty significant challenges in their life. At the same time, you've got to take some of that home with you. Yeah. At the same time, you've got your own quality of life and we're all looking for, for happiness in, right. in there. Uh, how is that? And you know, it's one thing when it's legal, okay? Yeah. Okay. And that, care. but now it's 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 deeply personal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a that's a good question. Yeah. In, in business, I mean, I think I took the stress home of the of the law, um, but not some of the sorrow. Of course, you know, when you're here about somebody that's going through something terrible, um, you do that. That weighs on you um, a, a good deal. Um, but yes, it does help you put things in perspective. I mean, one of the things. That one of the things that I do is I meet with families after a death, after they lose a loved one, and we sit down and we tell stories about the person. And um, that is a, a hard thing to do. It's a sad thing to do, um, doing it tomorrow morning with a family. And, but it is, in a very unusual way, probably the favorite, my favorite part of the job because you, you hear these amazing stories about people and, um, and it, it, talk about putting things in perspective. I mean, going to, to memorial services, and I don't know, you know, the average person maybe goes, you know, that's our age, maybe goes to one or maybe two a year. I do, I go to 25 a year. And it makes you realize how important your life is. And it makes you uh, realize and, and, uh, and, and see things in a, different, in a different way. And what's important? Well, your relationships are important. You know, what's important, um, connections and uh, being with your family and not taking people for granted and all of those things that you, you see in moments like that when you see a, a, a person talk about their loved one. I mean, it's really a sacred ground experience when you get to, to see that, to be a part of that. Do you find or, or have you found, again, in this transition from your legal career now into ministry – and I hear a lot about. I'm, I'm not an attorney, but I mean, you, but you hear a lot about guys that are spending all their time in the office, yeah. um, and at the expense, if you will, of quality time at home. Yeah. Um, and they're climbing. They're trying to make partner. We're all trying to get ahead, and and, and again, that work life balance. And we struggle. And we'll get into this. We struggle sometimes now finding guys that, enough guys to coach, you know, yeah. or, or manage. And it's mind blowing to me. I know uh, that that's. But I'd also think that. In the role that you're in now, your family has to be incredibly supportive in a way, and that balance might be even even harder because you can't control the timing of right. when things happen, and you have an entire community within your church that is looking to you to always always be there. Are you able to turn it on, turn it off? Is it maybe better or worse, more gratifying? You know, you yeah. know where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is more, it's more challenging in a way um, 
but there is some flexibility. You're right. I mean, you know, I could be home and on a Saturday and say, I did some work. I'm, you know, all my emails and everything are done for Saturday. And then someone calls and says, Hey, I'm, I'm in the hospital or yeah, missing a meeting a seems a little different than yeah, missing yeah. a funeral or and not being able to get to, to somebody in a time of need. Right. So mm-hmm. you, you, you have to go. And, um, and so there is some things that get upset in, in terms of your, your family, um, because of that. But, but then on the other end, you know, if I need to, to take off on a Tuesday afternoon, um, you know, I can. There's flexibility mm-hmm. with that. If I need to go to a baseball game, or, or um, you know, yeah, at least I'm done. You're you're still coaching. I'm <laughs> finished coaching because my my kids have uh, uh, have grown a little, uh, have gotten a little older. Um, but you just it's it's just like anything else. You you put your value into your schedule. You know, you put it into your calendar. It's like, well, this is this is what I think is important, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be with my kids. You know. Uh, grown up playing little league because that's where I connect with them. And so you just, you just, with any other, uh, in any other, um, uh, vocation, you just have to make decisions about what's going to be important to you. Uh, but yeah, there is a little bit of, um, uh, lack of ability to schedule, um, some things when you, but we have a great team too. Occasionally, uh, we had a, someone that was in the hospital had just gotten, uh, 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 admitted to the hospital uh, the night of the Astros' seventh game of the World Series. And the senior pastor, even though it's probably my job to go, he goes, I, I'll take this one because he knew what kind of <laughs> baseball fan I was. So it takes a, you know, a, a whole staff of people and, and, uh, and to work kind of collaboratively and together to be able to do that. We've got a good team over there. Sw- switching gears a little bit, how do you decide what you – want to talk about you know you mentioned earlier if you're preaching it could take you 20 to to 30 hours to to piece something together and conceptual how do you decide what you what you want to talk about yeah a lot of it is what's on my heart and mind um uh, some churches have uh, what's called the lectionary and they are there's uh, sort of a uh, maybe an option of three or four things that they can speak about or preach about will be the theme of the service each week. Uh, we don't do that. We sort of have different series about kind of what we think is going on in the life of the church and the people in the church and what what is maybe needed in their life or what we've heard they need and, and maybe um, start a series around those type of things. Um, so sometimes I just fit myself into that if I'm preaching on you know, October 15th, and then we're in the middle of a series about grace, then that's what I'll, I'll preach on. But a lot of times it's just kind of up to, up to me, and it's sort of what's on my heart, what I think people need to hear. Um, the, um, the senior pastor who preaches most of the time um, has a certain style that's sort of um, a little bit more optimistic and um, positive, and, um, and then sometimes, so I may have a week and say, well, you know, I think we need to talk about things that people are upset about or things that people are sad about or people, things that are, you know, have conflict in their lives. So I may try to balance him out a little bit. Um, so that maybe is at least something that happens subconsciously, but a lot of it is, is, um, honestly, you know, prayer. What, what, what do I feel God leading me to speak about and what I think is going on in the members, uh, minds and hearts that, that, uh, that I think, you know, we need to talk about together. Are there any particular platforms or, or directions that that you see yourself going? You say, you know, I see a lot of guys out there kind of making these what I 
mistakes or, or yeah. living life this way. Okay, you know that that's kind of my direction, or that's where I try to talk to yeah. you. Any anything in particular where you said, okay, this is one of the things I really a goal of mine is to swing this maybe the other way, yeah. you know, or get people to see things this way. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's being authentic. Um, I I think that uh, especially um, especially men uh, we do try to put on a diff you know a a, a a certain mask to say you know i'm in charge everything's okay i can handle this and we can't and so i a lot of times i like to to try to cut through that to say hey look we're all broken there's all things in our life that are wrong because of mistakes we've made because we can't control everything um because our parents get sick uh, because our kid has a you know a learning disability or is bullied at school, um, and we have to acknowledge that and talk about that and be authentic. And, and it's I think there's a real temptation, especially in, in the church community, to come to church, smile, and say everything's good, everything's okay, and we do that in our neighborhood I was too. Just, right? I don't think that's exclusive yeah. to the yeah. to the church. I mean, I look around, um, and it seems to me. Everybody's got it all figured out. Yeah, you know, everybody's got it covered. Everybody seems right. to have a great house. They seem to have a great car. Yeah. Their kids seem to be like everything seems to be great, and very little no. Yeah, you know, going, going, I go. How in the hell does everybody do it? Yeah, you know? yeah. Over, that's overall, cause, it's because you're comparing your inside to their outside, right? Um, and 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 they don't. I mean, I don't think any of us do. To be honest, maybe there's a few, but um, but we're all. We're all broken people, and we're all trying to figure it out. And uh, we've all got, you know, issues that we're dealing with with our, our, our marriages and our kids and our work. And um, and let's just talk about those, you know. Um, and so, it's, it's it's sometimes it's hard to do that in a corporate environment. Um, and what I mean by corporate is the body of the church or the mm-hmm. body of the office, because especially if you're in a leadership position. You do want people to have confidence in your leadership, and so it's hard to balance that, to say, let's talk real, but, you know. I mean, it's a sign of strength to be able to exhibit vulnerability and be able to communicate and talk about it. That doesn't mean it's easy. (laughs) It's absolutely not easy. You you mentioned the – you know, masks, you know, that put up. I don't know if we're actually in the middle of, of, of reading The Mask of Masculinity, this new book that came out by by Lewis House, who happens to have a great podcast and and great writer as well. And it's and it's very much of of what you're you're talking about. The the types of masks that that we wear or the type of airs in the fronts that we put up, but what you really need to do is take them off, you know, to become stronger, more vulnerable, more authentic out there. Um is it not an easy thing to do Mm. and you come across people in all different walks of life and in different ways. And a lot of times you go, okay, I have no idea what you did the other you know, nine hours of the day before you took the field you know, at seven right. o'clock. I mean, we assume, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, people certain ways, but you really have no idea whatever else is going on, you know, back there. Uh, and it's something I'm trying to pay a lot more attention to, yeah. which is okay. Um, Maybe this is not personal at yeah. all. Maybe you have no idea what that person is yeah. actually yeah. going through. Maybe they have no idea what you're going through. Yeah. Well, how do you think either. you get through that? How mm-hmm. do you think you kind of connect? In, in I don't know. I mean, space? this look, this is one of the ways that I do it, which is yeah. you know, trying to 
do less talking and actually more listening yeah. to people that that I think are intelligent and maybe haven't figured out yeah. or or going through it going through it themselves. Um, and that's a constant it's a constant process um, and a daily reminder of okay, you don't know everything. You yeah. don't have it all figured out. Keep asking some questions. Um, and maybe don't beat yourself up as much yeah. all the time. I, I, I do. I think that's it. I think it's – and it's what you're doing right now, but it's, it's asking questions and telling – and asking people, okay, what's your story? You know, what do you, want to, what do you want to tell me? And then there's extroverts and there's introverts and you have to deal with that. And sometimes people will speak to you and sometimes they won't. Um, but it, I think a lot of it is, is asking questions and you know, being ready, being present – to really have a conversation, you know, with somebody um, that makes makes a difference um, like that, uh, and it and it takes a relationship. You're not just going to do that on one or two talks, um, uh, but uh, but I, I think that's what you have to do is just dialogue. What are some of the things that you like to do when you're not working, if you will? Yeah. Um, and obviously, we talked a little bit about sports, but is it reading? You mentioned writing. Is it traveling you know what are, what are the things that you like to do to kind of get yourself refocused or re-energized yeah. or centered um and and that is something too i mean we, we talked about um you know balance you do man you just have to check out sometimes you really have to um just take a break and of course you know the idea of sabbath uh, in the church um is just taking a break and shutting down sometimes and and um and what i do what i like to do um, is is sports. I mean, you know, coaching baseball has been, you know, I call that Sabbath for me because you just, I, for those two hours that we're in a game or in a practice, I'm not thinking of any of my problems. And so that's a really nice, nice time for me. Um, writing. I really enjoy writing. Um, you know, write some stories, write uh, some poetry. Um, that sort of thing is very, uh, very much a, 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 a something that's good for my soul um i like art a lot i use art in my teaching a, a good bit uh, music in my teaching um and things like that where i'm always learning something new learning um sort of the origin origins of something how things are created i really really enjoy um a lot so uh, the, the arts um uh, writing and reading and and you mentioned travel Love to travel too, but um, it's, it's not that easy to do a lot. But um, but just yeah, being exposed to new things, always being curious about things, and then following and seeing what they're all about is something that I really enjoy and really does feed my soul. You mentioned earlier uh, we talked conflict kind of came up. Yeah. You know how people uh, we get into conflict and, and resolve conflict, and this is something that I'm. Clearly not very. I don't think I'm very good at it at all. I'm, I'm good at getting into them. As far as the con, not as great about kind of resolving them or or letting them them go. What's what's some of your experience and, and advice from kind of a conflict resolution yeah. or uh, standpoint? And I imagine you've done it both, as you said, in your in your legal career and now, yeah. and people coming with problems that maybe could be handled again completely differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's talking. I think it's being present for somebody when most people, when they feel, um, conflicted or they feel very frustrated is because they, they haven't felt listened to. So, um, listening is, a, is very, very important. And in a sense, sometimes the process of listening is more important than the content, even of what you say to them. 
um, open, ask an open-ended question, let them run into the field of whatever they want to talk about. Um, that lets off a lot of steam if you just let somebody talk. Um, you said you're not very good at it, but you, you are good. You, you diffuse things with humor sometimes, and I think that's a really good thing to do. That's a really good tool is if you have some something that you can kind of – and usually it has to be self-deprecating. You know, um, make light of yourself. It takes the tension level down um, a little bit. Um, so I think humor is a good tool. As they're saying, if you're, if you're not laughing, you're crying. Right, right? You know, or right. if you can't make fun of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's also a defense mechanism in a way too, yeah, um, in, in a lot of ways. You know, you're deflecting in in, in some ways um, versus, as I said, really talking or really communicating about what the what the issues may be. Yeah. The, the other thing is probably, and, and again, um, you know, in in what I do pastorally, talking to people is is talk about their faith. You know, what do you believe? What do you where do you think help comes from? Do you believe in a higher power? Do you believe in, in, in what kind of God do you believe in? It, that's a really interesting question is that um, we, we carry so much baggage into our idea about God, whether it's, you know, sort of like a cosmic policeman or a father figure or, um, you know, just kind of an oblong blur that we can't quite picture. Um, so if you can, if you can get a little bit of, 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 idea of, of what a person's conception of, of God is, you can kind of get a little bit more headway into what their faith is telling them about the problem that they're facing. Um, and that seems to, to be a, a good way to, to go to. It gives you some helpful information. What if they don't know? Yeah, and, that's, <laughs> and that may be the case a lot of times. And, and, but to, to think about, okay, well, if you don't know, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 you're not a believer, that's okay too. But let's you know let's talk about that. Um, you know, and, and people don't sometimes don't like to think about that because it leads to other things. It may lead to well, that means I can do this and I can't do that. It may mean you know, uh, you know, what happens when I die? Um, how does this affect me in you know my morality or how I do my do my work or um, you know, ethics, ethical issues and things like that. And so um, it's a good thing to think about. It's a good thing to talk about. Um, just like, you know, you may want to have some sort of vision statement of your life or mission statement of your life. I think it's a good thing to, to think about and write down, well, what do I believe? You know, what do I really believe? Why are we here? Um, you know, what, what am I here for? Um, is it just to, you know, to carry on my family name? Is it to do something good in the world? Is it to, um, you know, connect to people? Is it to make the world a better place? And for what reason is it, uh, you know, you driven by something spiritual, um, in your, in your, in your heart and in your soul. Uh, it's a good thing to think about, right? So, um, it, you know, encourage people to think, to think about that sort of thing. I'm kind of fascinated, always fascinated by how people see things differently. Yeah. You know, as we talk, and, Kind of a little bit of the segue from from conflict because if people didn't see things differently, then there wouldn't be mm-hmm. there wouldn't be comp- conflict. But how people see things and interpret things differently, and I would imagine again, you see a lot of this too. I mean, people can can read and they can hear you preach and they can take it in completely yeah. differently. Uh, how do you, I guess, kind of moderate 
I would imagine you have you have sessions, you have people that are there. Moderate the different ways that people see things. I mean, you could probably come off you know, at the end of your sermon, you know, and talk to twenty people, and they will have gotten something completely yeah. completely different yeah. out of that. That was true of the law too. Sometimes you try a case, and you get to t- talk to the jury afterwards, and you'd say, "Well, what did you make your decision in?" And they'd say something that some minute you know, idea that came up once that you didn't have any idea that that was going to be something they paid attention mm-hmm. to. And it's true in, 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 in this too, when somebody writes you a note and they said, Oh, I, I really, you know, appreciate this point that you made. And you're going, well, I didn't even think of it that way. I didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. You heard it so much differently than what I meant. And, it, and it's kind of like art and music too. It's like, you know, someone puts a, a song out and it may mean, you know, a hundred different things to a hundred different people. But I would imagine your your position now is less debate, you know, or yeah. trying to, again to win the argument or win the case, and more of acceptance of however anybody interprets it, even if it may not yeah. mesh as much with yeah. maybe what you were going for right, or what right. even yeah, you. Yeah, you can't say sorry, that was wrong. You didn't. You heard it wrong. Um, if they heard it, that's the way they heard it, right? And you do. It's it's interesting that the process of putting together a sermon because you you do think about that. How's this going to be heard? How is this going to be taken? Is this going to help somebody? Um, are they going to think I'm taking this political position um, when they hear me say this? Um, and you don't want to alienate somebody, but you want that's another tension. Is this you don't want to alienate people, but you also want to be you know what they call prophetic. Say you know I want to hold this up to your conscience and and. You need to respond to this in some way mm-hmm. without offending, and I think that's you know that's what great communicators do is they kind of can come obliquely a little bit and say you know look this is something you need to to attend this is something you need to to care for without alienating their audience and so um, it, it's it it's a it's an art really it's a tension that you have to kind of to work through but it's fun too you know it's fun to to be able to to say what you want to say in a way that will be heard in a, in a, in, in a transformative kind of way, something that will transform people. Yeah. What does that feel like again? So you take your time, you go through your process, you put something together, and it's pretty powerful getting up and speaking in, in front of a congregation, in front of a crowd, in, in anything. Uh, is it something you've always been comfortable doing, you know, or what what kind of is that feeling? Is it similar to that? performer getting off stage yeah. you know at the end yeah. in the rush of, of that too i think there's something to that i, I do um it, it's it is fun and especially if it if it if it goes well um you do you do feel a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction but especially in a sermon in church you're also humbled by it or you should be humbled by it you should say oh, wow I, I think god used me to say something God wanted these people that were assembled here this morning, time and space, to hear. And so it's humbling, and, or you need to be humble about it, because that's sort of the idea is it's not me. It's some kind of idea of, of spiritual communication through you, and you're willing to, you know, you're willing to be a vessel for it. Um, but having said that, it is. It's, I, I got a lot more... I've gotten a lot more attaboys at church than I ever did practicing law. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, hey, that was good, or that meant a lot to me, or, um, you know, that was meaningful to me for this reason or that reason. Um, so there is a there is a there is a part of performance to it, honestly, um, 
to be an effective communicator, I think. Um, but you can't let it go to your head because it, it really isn't you. And that's what, what's cool, too, is that there's, you have to kind of trust the process of you study, you think about it, you pray about it, you do your best to put something together that makes a difference to somebody. And I don't know, it, it seems to come out in a way that's, that's not all you. You know, it wasn't all me. It, it, it's, it, something happened in this, and it came together in a way that, that it wasn't all me. God had something to do with it. That's kind of what I feel a lot of times. And, and it's a position of power. Yeah. Also. I mean, and, respons- and great responsibility that, that you're in there. And like I said, typically I kind of start with something topical and we ended up really not starting with something mm-hmm. topical and just going right into family and how, how you got where you are. But what is going on right now that is prevalent is a lot of men in positions of power abusing that power. Yeah. Um, and where that's that's come from, and is that something on your mind? And, and where what do we do about? It? I just feel like we're yeah. there's a lot of guys doing a lot of bad shit, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, and and how do we get better? Yeah, that's that's a good question. There's there's like I say, whatever you want to call it, sin, brokenness, um, people doing the wrong thing will continue to do the wrong thing. Um, I, I think it's really good, at least, that it's, it's been brought out into the light. That's the first step. It, it's got to be observed, and people have to respond to it. But I think there's something really amazing going on right now. Is is you know, and it can it can it can go too far. But it's right now just that all this is getting brought out into the light. I think is a, is a really good first step. Um, but uh, you know, in, in terms of, of, of people in power, yeah. I mean, you know, I read an article just the other day about the church and this sort of thing, and it, it sort of lends itself to this. A person of power, a person of, that, of, that's in a trust position, um, people look up to them, um, people don't want to, to say anything bad about them because it's going to hurt other, other people if you do, and the, the church is in a particularly precarious position for things like uh, uh, sexual harassment and taking advantage of of people um and so it just tells you you've really got to be on your guard and that's another reason you got to keep things in balance too is people get people get you know people get burned out and they start doing stupid things too so um uh, but i i don't have the answer but i think bringing out the light is a good first step well you've got boys yep i've got boys what are you instilling in them? How are you trying to trying to raise them? Yeah, I think that a lot of that, um, and, and sometimes I feel like I'm being derelict when I say, you know, I don't sit them down and tell them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I think it's more powerful if they just see you, treat people with respect, um, and and you know, and I can't say that I've uh, always been perfect in that at all, even in, in the home, but. Um, but but I think there is a process where um, boys in particular see things and respond to what they see over a long period of time than just telling them you got to do this you got to do this. There's a place for that too. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I think just living trying to live your life in the right way and um, letting them observe that um, is is the most effective way to do that. 
I, well, I definitely agree that the lead by example and that is probably you know, not do it do as I what is it do as I yeah. say not as right. I do right? Right. versus I think it's really the the flip side in a way it's actually if you're leading by example you should be seeing those patterns of of behavior of positive behavior of what are you doing and it's okay maybe you wake up every morning and you go exercise mm-hmm. and your children start to see okay well he's up before me he's that's a value right. of him that's right. a he's, value. he's coming home before okay and he's sweaty and he's worked out and done something physical and then he takes me to school or you again how and it's just one example but how you live day to day i think the leading by example yeah. um is is much more powerful than the actually, let me just tell you yeah. how I think you should do it. Um, and I think we're losing some of that. Yeah. However, I think we're not as present and people aren't around as much as they should be to be leading by example. And maybe the example, again, they're setting could be, and everybody has their own thing. But if the example you're setting is you leave at the crack of dawn and you come home when it's nine o'clock, right. okay, well, is that the example you're setting to your to your kids that that's how you're going to do it? Or that's how they're going to yeah. do it later. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's all this. This. I mean, you know, my dad was was kind of like that. And so, um, you know, I hope I turned out okay. But there was, there, I think that did create something in me. Like I was always like, uh, I think it's like, well, my dad may not be here a, a lot during the day. So when I, I, I think there's a, was a sense of achievement in me that was instilled that, that, okay, the way that I can make a difference, that my dad can see it, is how I achieve, how I do something, how I win. And, and that was what, how I started to be wired, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, a, I think that's kind of the, the thing of all of us is that um, we have this wiring that says we have to achieve, we have to achieve, we have to achieve. And what that looks like is money, you know, a nice house, um, you know, nice trip, go to Aspen or whatever. Um, but we're doing it at the expense of not being with our kids and for them seeing that example. And I think we're products of, of what our own experiences are yeah. and, again, how we were raised. And, and my situation being different was, you know, with my father passing away when I was yeah. almost 18, you know, and two younger brothers, it became, oh, well, time is precious mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. Um, this could go – this could happen at any at any time. So where do I want to spend my time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do I want to do? And sure, that all comes at a cost, mm-hmm. uh, depending upon what your goals are or where you set where you set your values. So it's again, it's that struggle and observation of uh, and trying to keep it in balance and keep it in, yeah. and keep it in perspective. You want to do great things for your kids. You want to be able to provide. You want to be able to do. But at the end of the, you also want to actually be there. At least, yeah. at least in my case, right. I, I'd actually like to be there yeah. for a lot of it. And sure, I think that again, that comes at a cost. Yeah. You know? But the freedom to be able to be there. Can you have just enough or as much as you need to be able to have the freedom or yeah. a little, little fuck you money, a little fuck you freedom, whatever. But hey, I'm going to go do that today. Well, and yeah, gonna- and I think a lot of that is is you have to find what what those moments are. Like um, find out what your kid's interest is and make time for that and do it on their turf in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I And that's how you really make connections. Like, you know – one of my kids really likes sports, and one is is an actor, and say, we go to Broadway and we kids. watch mm-hmm. a show, and 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 we connect that way. And so you just you have to to figure out, you know, where you can make those connections, and you sort of have a condensed 
time of presence that really, you know, makes a difference. And you may not be able to spend eight hours on a Saturday with them because you've got to go in for work. But if you find a really place of connection, you got to lean into that. You got to invest in that place. And, and you make a good point. I think we've both been around a lot of it where there are kids being pushed into yeah. things that maybe they don't really love that much for, for whatever the reason versus embracing what it is that they're really, really interested yeah. in. Um, and you may have people coming in to talk to you about this too. You know, my son or my daughter is interested in this and I'm interested in that or yeah. why don't um, – and I think you make a really valid point that if you can be open to embracing what your child is into, you'll make a much more valuable connection than yeah. dragging them or pushing right. them maybe into something right. that you you want them to go into. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's even a, a – you were in a family firm. Yeah. And, and determining for a lot of people, I would imagine that would be very difficult to go to their family and say, I want to do something else. Yeah. Or, yeah. No, they that. were shocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's, uh, again, that's part of listening to people. It's like in, in your kid, you may not, you, you have to listen to your kids as little human beings and find out what they're interested in and, and let them, you can't hold their hand the whole way. They've got to go on their own hero's journey and figure out what their thing is. And they do. I mean, that's what's cool is they really do if you, if you let them. Um, and so uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think of how you and I are wired based on, you know, where we went and how our kids are going to grow up and be wired um, based on what our influences was were to them. And then, you know, at age 13, 14, all of a sudden, you know, their peers are probably more of an influence on them than their than their parents even. So that's mm-hmm. kind of tricky too. Absolutely. And, and things take you in all different directions. I mm-hmm. mean I joke with people even here all the time that if you would have told me that I would have been <laughs> married with kids, living in Houston, Texas, you know, I was at, you know, yeah. bet the under from where, you know, from <laughs> where I from where I came from. And then now I look at how my boys are being raised from how I was raised yeah. uh, and how drastically different it is but i don't think i would have been open to that or open to making these life changes even for myself had i not maybe experienced you know some of the things i did with yeah. my father and with my brothers and say okay there was a need for some distance there was yeah. a need for a little start over right if you will and it's an interesting dichotomy even to go back home and see lots of my friends who haven't had that they're yeah. they're right where we always were right. you know in a way right uh, same places same neighborhood same yeah. people same it's, that's another way to do it yeah. You know, I guess, yeah i guess but what are those conversations like different man just just really really different um and i think even more so i mean i think the observations are more so even for kate than myself because you can always go home and kind of like jump right back in it in yeah. a way. Like yeah. I feel like for me, I get on a plane, I fly back to New York, I get back there, it's like flipping a switch. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, like I'm angry in the cab, you know? Like, <laughs> Yankees and I'm ang- Yeah, I'm angry <laughs> and I'm impatient in the cab and then I see people and I see how they're living and I can immediately relate to it yeah. because it's kind of how I grew up. I get what they're doing. But, you know, by the following Sunday or whenever the return flight back is, okay, this is we can me. go back to yeah. what works better now. You know, yeah. what what fits better um 
and by and certainly not perfect, but but different and better. And sometimes a little distance is good. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's good to go back for just enough time again to recharge the battery. Yeah. Also, yeah. that hey, this is this is what's working right. for you. Yeah, get back to your roots, but then get back in the present too. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. that's a really interesting thought. And and the other we we haven't talked about this, but the other kind of pressure that I think people face is you know, the parents getting older too and, and, you know, dealing with that sort of thing and dealing with your kids and your parents at the same time is a, is a, is a, is a real challenge too yeah. that we're seeing. Look, I've got my mother-in-law still living with us since, oh, yeah? <laughs> since the hurricane. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah. um, so that's different. You know, I went 1200 miles from where I grew up to get some distance uh-huh. away from, from, from certain things, wow. you know, and then now for whatever it's been, however, month and however yeah. long it's been, you know, now I've got my mother-in-law in our house every day, which yeah. is interesting for my kids, you know, who are happy to have grandma around. And, and yeah. don't get me wrong, she's she's great, but you play the hand you're dealt. Yeah, also. yeah. How does that change the dynamics in the home? <laughs> How personal do you want to get? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is the room right upstairs on top of it? Yeah. Um, and fortunately, again, she's great. It hasn't really changed our dynamic that much with the exception of – I think I'm more understanding of her needs and accepting of her being there and what we need to do for her than probably Kate, my wife, is. Mm-hmm. Whereas she's Kate's always more understanding of like my own mother because yeah. again, you know who drives you crazy most, like yeah. whatever. It's it's a different situation. So yeah. for me, it hasn't changed much of the dynamic um, except to feel. Maybe, hey, I must be a good person. I'm allowed, you know, yeah, she's here. You are. Like, do, I, do I feel good about myself? Like, okay. Because yeah. um, maybe that helps me selfishly a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know. I think you just play the hand you're dealt yeah. and, you, and, you, and you do the best you can. With yeah. It. So. Well, that's, it is. It's, there's, there's, there's challenges like that. And then, yeah, that mother-daughter relationship is a very mm-hmm. complicated one. Um, my, my wife's uh, mother has, has moved uh, back to Houston from California too, and there's just there, like like I say, especially when you, uh, you, you whether it's in laws or, or uh, parent son or parent uh, mother mother daughter or father son, it it is it gets pretty complicated sometimes. Yeah, and I look, I mean, you have the situation that you have, you know, God gives you what you can handle or whatever yeah. uh, on there. But sure, I mean, you look, I go okay. Of course, envious when we show up at the games and there's two sets of grandparents yeah. there, you know, and they're all there. You go, okay, well, my boys aren't going to have that. So what more are we going to need to maybe do um, to compensate for that? And some, so you look at it, you look at it a little, a little bit differently, you know, in there. We have a smaller table for most, <laughs> for most family events, you know, than most. So do you do more to kind of keep that closeness and maybe change that for the next yeah. generation, you know, in terms of, okay, yes, I'd like to, I'd like to live longer, you know, uh, than my father did, you know, for my own kids. I'd like them to have a similar relationship that their mother and father have. Look, and say, okay, maybe, maybe next go around, like we got more people in the stands, you yeah. know, we got more people at the table. Like we can, we can change some things right. if we, if we really want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, that's, that's being intentional and being present. And I mean, I think that's how we, how we should live. We, we, oftentimes we just kind of float around for, for months and sometimes years, but, but paying attention to this, those kind of things is, is, uh, is, is what we should do. What surprised you um, about getting 
getting into this, uh, in, uh, into the church and being a minister. Is there anything like that? Did not see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me see. Um, I think that, I think that people are people everywhere. And as obvious as that is, I think you think that, okay, well, I'm changing from the business world to the church world. And so I should have less problems. Um, things should work out. Um, uh, people kind of joke around and say, oh, so you're, you know, this is about, you know, redemption for having, you know, practiced law for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and so you think, yeah, there's, there's, there should be, um, you know, a, a sort of gloss of not perfection, but all rightness. Um, and then you find out that, yeah, that, you know, church is just is in terms of the people are broke as broken as everywhere else. You see people doing things um, in the in the uh, in the in the business world, and um, and you know the 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 the, the, ch- the people in the church are are you know just as broken as people that that aren't in the church. It's just um, it's just a question of maybe dealing with those problems, you know, and maybe in a in a different way. So. Um, I, I guess I don't know if that was a, a huge surprise, but it was sort of be, to be dropped in that and and um, and realize that okay, you're 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 really gonna have the same same sort of issues, same sort of problems um, in the churches as anywhere else. Um, and, and again, maybe that's not a, a huge surprise to to, to people, but um, uh, I do think that sometimes. Uh, the church tries to smile through their problems a little bit too much rather than rather than uh, acknowledging that they're there. So mm-hmm. um, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Kind of kind of circling this back a little bit, you know, we're in this what I call the, the midlife male time. I yeah. know we've touched on it on a number of different things, but we've got marriage and kids getting older and, and careers and and it's confusing. You know, I keep coming around to the it's confusing uh, on on all of it. What's the advice you would give to those of us that are that are struggling with that, trying to balance and or manage manage it all? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's it really is an interesting time of life when you're. Um, I, I I think that. What I've learned the last few years is to be able to say no to some things. Um, I think growing up, and, and again, everybody's different, but I, I think I was very much, a, you know, tried to please people, um, tried to do what I thought I should do a lot and maybe even take on too much because I felt like, well, somebody asked me to do that. I should do that, right? Um, this is a good cause. I should be involved in it. Um, this sounds like a worthwhile way to spend my time. I should spend my time doing it. I think at some point, and maybe it was just sort of a region of my life, I'd started to say no to some things. And I think that was really, really healthy to say, okay, what am I good at? Let's do those things. It may be less. Um, but I think that helps a lot because it opens up your your time to do the things that you know you need to do, but to be with your family and to be with your kids um, and to not feel like you have to please everybody all the time. Um, and that 
that helps a lot. And, and, and self-care does too. I mean, I think when you start to say, okay, I need to take a break. I'm, you know, way too tense. I need to, uh, to get away from the office, even if it means, I, you know, I'm not going to make quite as much money as I did last year. Mm-hmm. You got to do that. Just like, just like you, you know, would go to a doctor if you broke your arm. You got to pay attention to your mental health, right? And, um, and I think that's really crucial. And I think I learned that somewhere. Maybe it was, you know, because I've been telling people that. <laughs> and so you start going, you know, that's kind of good advice. I should do that myself. And, and so I think saying no to some things, learning what you're good at. Um, and again, you know, I don't know most of your listeners, whether they're in their 30s, 40s, or 50s. I think sort of that maybe came when I was in my 50s, I'm, you know, and, and begin to say, I, I, maybe it's you see your mortality a little bit more and you say, I'm not going to do this. You know, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do what's meaningful to me. I'm going to do what I think God's called me to do. I think I'm going to do what, you know, makes a difference in my kid's life or my wife's life. Now, it, it makes perfect, perfect sense. And you mentioned, I mean, you bring age into it a little bit of you know, that you're in your 50s now and, and I'm approaching 45. But I don't, I, I've tended to look around again, even looking back at the reference, like, if I'm at my office, you know, like, okay, I must be an adult at this yeah. point, you know, or if I'm on the, the field and I look into the stands and there are a few guys over there in ties, well, they have to be older than me, you know, <laughs> right. like yeah. when did yeah. this whole adulting thing, yeah. like all of a sudden we have mortgages and we have yeah. kids and we have, you know, tuitions that are, that are going on and you have meetings. I'm like, when? Like, when yeah. When did this fuck happen? Did I become like, like an actual <laughs> adult? Like. Like the being a dad stuff is actually easy. The yeah. parenting or the other response, that stuff's actually hard. And I just keep looking around going, these guys, they all must be older than me. They all must have had different experience. How have they you know, figured it out and adulting when I, can yeah. have, when I have absolutely no idea? But How do you see yourself? Like what's your age oh. that you think you are? Oh, man, that's, that's an amazing question. I mean – I mean, I probably still see myself thinking and acting like I'm a twenty-something-year-old yeah. half the time, who just happens to have a bunch more responsibility, right, you know, if, if right. you will, than than before. Now, how I must be looked at by everyone else has got to be. No, no, you you're know, still cool. You can still but, pull off cool more than most people. No, I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that. But that, but I don't think I've ever necessarily certainly been cool on the inside. I think there's a lot of that also, like what you may kind of put off you know, is not always necessarily yeah. who you truly are, you know, or, or, or comfortable. Um, like I like what I like. I mean, I'm comfortable kind of looking the way that I like, or, or maybe acting the ways that I like. I'm certainly not comfortable with myself in any way, shape yeah. or form. Yeah. Um, some environments more, more than others, you know? So, yeah. Well, I don't know that the adulting, you're right. I mean, it's, it, you know, I think of, you know, my dad when he was the age that I am now, or even, you know, 44, 45. And I, I think of him as so much older than I am now. That's what know? I'm like, too. I mean, my dad was 47 years old when he passed away. I go, holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's like a couple of years. Like, yeah. it's a couple of years. And I look at my kids and go, okay, I don't know how they would be able to move forward, you know, without them. But yet my brothers and I somehow did some better, some worse. Okay. We've, we've had our experiences on that, but okay. That just now, I guess everything's relative. Now it seems so young. 
That sort of thing seems so young when even if we go back and we talk about guys that are in their now 30s and their kids are just getting started into a lot of the stuff that we've all gone through, they must look at us. We're like the old guys transitioning out. They're the young ones. And I have no idea, like, again, how they're doing it. I look at someone and go, oh, well. You're already older than I am. You might be 15 years younger, but you seem so (laughs) much older and it may be completely false, you know? (laughs) I don't know. And and it is. It's, and it's, it's also funny. We talk about, you know, little league and we, and I'm sure that when we, you know, started coaching our kids when they were six and seven, the ones that had been coaching for 10 years were thinking, oh, those young guys, they don't know what they're doing. And now we think the same thing about the ones that are 10 years younger than us, maybe. But, um, but yeah, life just goes on like that. It's- yeah, I would think you're right though, and uh, about the getting better, you know, getting better at at saying no, getting a little bit better about not worrying or thinking about what everybody yeah. may think. You know that get comfortable being maybe a little bit more uncomfortable. You're not going to be yeah. liked by That's everybody. Right. You're not going to get along with everybody. They're going to be dissenting opinions at various meetings and things or anything that we that we go to okay that's you can't please everybody and if you try you'll certainly run out of time (laughs) in there in in a lot of ways and there's a tension to that i mean it's still you know you still need to give people respect and, and grace for their own mistakes but but you know i think that if you if you realize what you're good at what you're particularly gifted at and begin to live into that and start kind of winnowing things away that you can winnow away and that, that you know, you choose to put your time into things that you're good at and mm-hmm. that you're really making um, a difference in uh, makes a big difference. And, and like I said, perspective-wise, um, uh, you know, I think David Brooks, the writer for the New York Times, talks about, you know, obituary values, you know, mm-hmm. like what do you want someone to say at your – uh, memorial service. Mm-hmm. What are you doing each day to, in a sense, put together that sort of resume of, of values? Um, you know, you you want someone to say, you know, he he was a good father. He was a you know good husband. He was um, there for his friends. Uh, he made a difference in people's life. He he you know came to the rescue of, of people when it was needed. And to begin to think about that and start winnowing away the things that that aren't in that kind of resume or, or picture of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to do because the world requires you to do yep. a lot of things that maybe you don't want to do uh, in terms of you know, practicalities and, and, and money and things like that. And I don't mean to say – you know, you're doing the wrong thing if you're if you make a lot of money. I think that's terrific. If that's your gift, sure. that's what you mm-hmm. should do. You know, you mm-hmm. should do that and then be generous with it. So mm-hmm. We all have different gifts. On that note, uh, thank you very much. It's been it's been a gift getting to talk to you for ah. an hour here, having you on, um, getting to learn more, um, bringing this message out out to people. So, thank you, Greg, for for being on the program today. We'll have to go for. Uh, for round two, yeah, uh, down down the road, we'd love to have you back and, and do it again and find some more more great stuff to talk about. So, Greg Funderburk on the Greg Shaman podcast today. Thanks for doing it. Be well, my friend. Thanks. Thanks.
The Greg Scheinman Podcast was presented by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit innsgroup.net.